welcome to the UK Wildlife Podcast. I'm Victoria Hillman. I'm Neil Phillips. And this is going to be our last one, I think, before Christmas now. So we've got a bit of a special one coming up for you. But to start with, we're actually going to kick off with a bit of news. So I'm going to head, hand over to Neil and he's going to start you know, off. With the news. Try, try not to moan. It, uh, for those, we're recording this on the Friday, the 13th um, of December. Um, so the election results are in and yeah. As a wildlife fan, not exactly thrilled, but let's uh, move, move on swiftly from that, I think, because otherwise we could do a whole podcast and be moaning. Um, we could, but, but let's yes. keep it positive. Yeah, yeah, let's go and be positive. It's Christmas time. Um, although <laughs> I think our first story isn't exactly positive, is it? Um, well, I think we have to mention the uh, sad passing of David Bellamy. Um, obviously, a well-respected naturalist, TV star. Um, uh, sadly, I think both of us are a bit too young to fully remember him, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I I do I do remember snippets to a point, um, but for various reasons, I don't really have um, much in terms of memories from my childhood. But you know, I do I do understand he you know he's been a big influence for a lot of people to go into you know wildlife conservation and nature related jobs. Um, and I know it's you know it's definitely it's, it's very sad news um, that that he's passed away. And obviously, you know, thoughts um, and love out to his his friends and family. Indeed. Um, yeah, um, I, it's funny. I was um, at a a conference on Saturday and discussing uh, with the uh, he was was the president of the British Naturalist Association, and I was talking to the current one. And he was talking about all the great work he did with them. Um, it, it just seems quite sad that you know, even a few days later, he's passed away. I mean, um, he he was big in the eighties, wasn't he? From from my knowledge of him, I, I was very aware of him. People. Uh, would refer to me as a you know a David Bellamy because of my interest in wildlife um I do vaguely remember a tv show I think it's wildlife in your back garden or something like that um do, do you have seen clips of this where he, sh- he shrunk I think he shrunk down to sort of like the size of an ant and you see an ant and stuff like that kind of thing mm, going on I'm pretty sure that was David Bellamy yeah that's that's not good he uh he sort of fell out of favor that uh, the sadly I, mean, I don't want to bring it up you know speaking of the dead or anything but I was aware of him more recently for his, uh, shall we say, controversial views on global warming. Uh, he he was a climate change denier and um, quite vocal about it at times. Um, I read a story about him uh, saying that's probably cost him his career in the late in later life. But um, yeah, and some of the animal rights groups don't like him because of his views on hunting and association with the Moreland Association. But, you know, you can't deny the positive effect he had on naturalists perhaps uh, a generation before us or slightly older than us i think yeah I mean, he's definitely had a very you know very positive influence on a lot of people's careers mm. um and i think you know that's really what i think he should be remembered for Indeed, I agree, in I agree. yeah it's lots of uh had some lovely stories about him as well um i might have yeah. one i think uh, one of the guests i'm planning to get on is actually um new new and reasonably well so maybe we'll get him to reminisce a little bit i think that'd be really nice, actually. yeah yeah definitely okay um should we move on to the next story okay well this is actually quite a happy one it's actually just popped up um today and it's actually about harvest mice and they've been found to be thriving 15 years after reintroduction efforts um yeah which is a really lovely story i think it's lovely to have a positive story um today and also in the winter time as well um yeah they're 15 years after reintroduction program um you know, these these little mice are doing incredibly well. Um, so I think that's you know lovely kind of little positive story. Mm. 
yeah, it's, it's quite nice that. Now the only other stories I've seen kicking around there's a uh, the story that broke about raven culling in Scotland over three thousand, I think, or nearly four thousand have been culled in the last five years, um, which is quite sad. Uh, bear in mind that uh, here in Essex, I think it was two years ago we had our first breeding pair in a hundred years, and yet they're killing them in Scotland. It just seems a bit ridiculous, really. But uh, yeah, because they they they're reported to sort of peck out the eyes of lambs and stuff like that, and you know, kill lambs and we'll talk about COVID skin things shortly later on. I mean, a lot of the time you don't know if that's scavenging or stillborn lambs, but yeah, it's just depressing a little bit, really. But another story, baby porpoises, um, they've tested them. They turn up dead um, on the shore and they test them. And they're full of po- various poisons, a chemical cocktail, I think they described it as. No, pity of Yeah, PC, PCBs, once used in plastics and paints. Oh, okay. That's, so it sort of yeah, accumulates things from from the fish and from the milk from their mum and stuff like that, and it's oh yet another way we're messing things up. But there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not 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 great news. Not uh, great news, unfortunately. Oh well, I keep seeing ravens in North Essex when I'm up there, so you know at least a positive on the ravens there. Well, so actually that leads quite nicely on to uh, anything that you've been seeing this week, really, doesn't it, or recently? Yeah. What have I been seeing? I haven't been out much. I put up some feeders at work. I might mention my last weekend. The long tail tits are coming down nearly every time I'm over there, so that's pretty good. Um, that's good. Never tire of seeing those. Yeah, other than a raven flying over my head, which I might have mentioned in the last podcast, that's really it. Really, I can't think of anything else particularly interesting I've seen. Tell a lie, I did see a, a sparrowhawk, a buzzard, and a kestrel in a space of ten minutes at one point. Which oh wow. Was yeah. yeah, you know, none particularly rare, but oh, it's still nice to see it's, them. It's nice to see them, though, isn't it? You know, rare yeah. or not. So I always think it's nice when you just see a buzzard sitting in a tree sometimes, and it's just, you know, just sitting there. Yeah, um, I suppose this week, um, where those feeders I mentioned with the long-tailed tits, I um, I was walking down the path behind them, um, and all the birds are suspiciously absent and quiet. I was like, what's going on? And then a sparrowhawk flew out the tree. So the next day, walking down the path, I was looking adamantly for the sparrowhawk and all the alarm calls went up I was like oh looking in the tree and then looked up and there was a buzzard at um these are only small trees you know just skimming the top of the trees going straight over so that was pretty cool um so yeah I've seen quite a lot of bird of prey recently now I think about it but uh yeah just need to get a peregrine yeah top top off nicely wouldn't it yeah I I, I can honestly I haven't really seen that much because I've actually been away for five days so I've not Mm. oh yes not well, really. you have seen lots. I have seen lots, and it was an amazing trip. Um, I, think, I think it's okay to mention it. Okay. Um, I've just green. just got back, well, earlier this week, I actually just got back from um, actually being able to watch and photograph lammergeis or bearded vultures in the wild in northern Spain, where they're actually doing really well, thanks to some huge conservation efforts. Um, absolutely amazing trip. Real dream come true for me to see them in the wild. So... That's kind of what I've been doing, really. And uh, golden eagles as well. They actually have a pair of golden eagles that successfully raised a chick this year. So we got to see both parents and the chick, um, which was absolutely fantastic. So that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, not not UK based, but, you know, amazing nonetheless. Excellent. It sounds like, it sounds like you had a good time. I've seen some, she showed me some of the pictures, which have not made me green with envy at all. <laughs> It was yeah. an amazing time, and, and the pictures will slowly start to appear on my social media channels um, as I kind of get through them and that. So, yeah, 
Good trip. Social media it's... channels. That's Social a very media posh way of putting it. <laughs> I don't know. What else would you call them? Twitter and Facebook. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, oh. So, yeah. Eyes common. Eyes from Essex, in it. <laughs> so, oh. yes, that's right. about it, really. And we did have one question, actually, come up. Yes, we did. Yes, from Steve Bond. By email, it was. Shall I read it out? Might as well. You read the question now, because I've got okay. some answers for him. So Steve sent us the question. I thought you might be interested in the following, which happened to me last year. I was feeding the birds in my back garden and noticed a magpie watching something. From the roof of my shed, all of a sudden, a mouse came out from under a large plant pot. And in a flash, the magpie was down and killed the mouse, taking it just like a bird of prey would. I just wondered if you'd experience this kind of behaviour. He's in Merseyside, but he'd like to know if it happens in other parts of the country too. And you've done some research on this. I, I have some input, but uh, you've done research, so I'll let you go first. I have. So I, I did some research into the diets of magpies. Their normal diet is is insects, but actually in the winter they'll they'll tend to eat a more plant-based diet due to the lack of insects, um, including berries. Um, they will occasionally eat carrion. They've been known to eat eat carrion. And they've actually been known to hunt small birds and mammals like mice, but also actually taking young rabbits as well. And then particularly during the mating season and breeding season, they'll also eat young birds. So mm. they will actually yeah, take quite a variety of of prey, um, you know, right the way through from from berries and, and everything. So yeah. it it's not unheard of. I couldn't find any specific examples, but it does look like, you know, it's not an uncommon thing, but... Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, very lucky is the right word, but, you know, yeah. it must be amazing to have actually seen that happen. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like it's that uncommon. I think people just maybe haven't observed it that yeah, often before. I mean, um, I've heard, I'm trying to think if I've ever actually seen it, but I've, 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 corvids are quite often the first thing to a dead animal. You see crows on the road um, and magpies, of course, are crows. Um, even jays. Jay, jays take chicks from nests. It's funny how... A, you get a lot of hate for the, especially the crows and magpies, um, and to a lesser extent the jackdaws and ravens, for um, raiding birds' nests. But no one seems too fussed about the very pretty jay. I can't think why. Um, and woodpeckers, woodpeckers are anything or worse. They'll peck into a nest box and take out prey. But yeah, I mean, take out a mammal. I mean, obviously they're not as well equipped as a bird of prey, like a buzzard, but or a kestrel. But they will take them out. They sadly have to control corvids on some nature reserves with uh, rare breeding birds and of course you know some shoots will shoot every single corvid they see because they might eat some grouse chicks or pheasant chicks or whatever they're rearing yeah there's, there's, corvids are very smart as well that's something you've got to remember they'll if they see a, a food source they will learn and they'll work out a way to get to it i mean have you seen the um i think they're ravens or certainly crows are some description and they drop some nuts, I think it is, and they drop it into the traffic. Have you seen this one? I haven't seen that one, no. Yeah, yeah I think it's I, f- I think it's a, hard, a, a nut with a really hard shell they can't crack, so they drop it into the traffic, so the traffic runs it over, and they fly down. They do it at a pelican crossing, so they know <sighs> there's a gap in the... or certainly traffic lights, so they know there's a gap for them to fly down and get the food. It's just... They call them avian um, primates. They're that smart. It's quite extraordinary, really. So I, th- I think a mouse being taken isn't that's surprising but yeah it's like you say it's probably rare to see it yeah it i mean it's more than we realize i mean that you know said so corvids are they're very intelligent birds and i've seen various videos um you know mainly research videos actually when they're when they're looking at kind of intelligence and problem solving of birds and when mm. you actually look at some of the stuff they can do it is absolutely incredible so 
you know, I think, like you said, it, it's not uncommon for them to take, you know, a wide variety of, of food, um, you know, anything up to a young rabbit they've been seen taking. But I think it's just, again, it's just something we don't observe that often. So, you know, when we do hear of it or we do see it, then it probably just seems like quite a shock. Yeah, I mean, but, um, you, you can see them at harvest time. They'll follow around the combine harvesters and tractors and try and take out anything that's flushed. Or obviously, I suppose, if they're chopped up by the combine and harvesters, they'll eat it as, as a scavenge. Yeah, don't underestimate a crow. I know, <laughs> definitely not. But yeah. I hope, you know, for, for Steve, I hope that kind of answers your your comment really um hope we've been able to help out a little bit there for you right oh so should we move on to our topic for today which yes. is being that it is the as i've mentioned uh, the middle of december um our christmasy wildlife topic we thought we'd go a bit festive yay christmas yeah. mm-hmm. yay <laughs> not ready time, for it time for all. christmas films like the muppet christmas carol and of course die hard which is the best christmas movie ever made yeah, I'll, I'll be more or less chained to my computer, but only in 20 minutes stints. Um, yes. Then you can working. watch Die Hard. Wait, wait, in, in 10 minutes stints between my 20 minutes at the computer. <laughs> or I'll just save it. To, I'll, I'll probably save both to Christmas Eve. True. But yeah, we, we thought we would just do, actually have a look at a couple of plants and a, a bird and a mammal um, that are... They are really associated with Christmas, so um, thought we'd kind of have a look at a bit of a look into it um, as to why. Um, we've got two each, so we've got a plant and an animal each. So, do you want to kick off with your plant or your animal first? I think I'll start with my plant, which is mistletoe, which is uh, famous, or should I say infamous, um, <laughs> to be hung up in homes at Christmas and use an excuse to try and kiss somebody sometimes but uh yes um so one thing a lot of people don't really about mistletoe is it can't grow on its own the reason it grows in a tree is because it's actually a parasite of that tree so those trees can be sort of things like uh, i think fruit trees are the most popular things like apple uh, but also lime sycamore ash and i think hawthorn and yeah so they'll they'll grow their roots will grow into the tree so Oh, you get the berry, gets eaten by a bird, gets pooped out. If the seed's lucky, it gets wedged into the bark of the tree and it can grow into a tree from there. They do photosynthesize it. That's why they've got the green leaves as well to sort of supplement that. Yeah, they, they are taking energy from the tree. And of course, they have those big, they form like massive bushes in the trees, sort of like a metre across almost, I think, they can get up to. And of course, you get a high wind uh, in winter, where, whereas normally they haven't got any leaves to resist. That could act as sort of like a sow and pull them over. But yeah, they're quite fascinating plants and there's male and females as well there's, there's various traditions i mean my, my favorite fun fact was that they were quite often banned someone told me this a, a while ago actually they were banned um from sort of churches and uh christian christmas decoration you know decorations which is somewhat ironic being that christmas was a pagan festival to start with anyway <laughs> that they took over but uh, <laughs> yeah that is quite fun but it's, it is it's a big problem with a lot of the apple orchards i know mm. you know around here if you if you drive yeah, on on some of the roads um, that go past the apple orchards, particularly in the winter, you can see it. It's yeah, you know, all the trees have you know big big problems with with the mistletoe on the trees, and it's you know it's it's hard work for. Yes, yeah, some know, orchards have either sort of used it as a supplementary crop because of course they can sell it. Um, and I was watching, I think it's probably Cunch file or something like that. One orchard had literally just not bothered with the apples anymore because they make so much money from the mistletoe at Christmas time that they uh, they just harvest that because you can actually plant them in trees 
Um, I think I did try that somewhere once, um, but it didn't. They can take sort of two or three years to grow. There's this whole load of traditions and lore around, and there's a load of Norse. There's a Norse story that it. Here we go, Loki. Uh, I'm so tempted to put an MCU reference in here. Um, <laughs> a uh, that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For those that don't talk geek, um, a Loki used a weapon, used a mistletoe, and that sort of to to kill the son. I think it must have been his sibling, I suppose. Um, and it, that's led on to Ragnarok, which is Norse um, apocalypse stuff. Yes. Well, I just keep thinking of for Ragnarok when I think of that. But anyway, um, and, and now I've got Led Zeppelin stuck in my head. But there we go. So so that's probably I can sum up, say about mistletoe, really. Very fascinating plant. Or oh, a bit of a sucker for a good parasitic plant. But it's, it's interesting, actually, how, you know, when we look at the plants and what they're associated with, when you actually start looking into them, it's actually really interesting the different things that you, you actually find when you when you dig deeper. So should I go with my plant then? Go for it. So I, I think actually, guess it. <laughs> I've got holly. <laughs> um, if you didn't guess it, uh, it's actually. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the plant first, and then you know look at why it's really associated with Christmas, or why we associate it with Christmas or the festive period. It's actually quite a very well recognisable um, tree shrub. Uh, it can actually live for over 300 years. So it's. I mean, obviously we. No, when it has the berries on you've got the really spiky leaves and the bright red berries um, in terms of wildlife it's actually a really really important plant it provides dense cover good nesting opportunities for birds and the dry leaf litter underneath can provide um, hibernation sites for hedgehogs and small mammals like mice so in terms of you know habitat it's a fantastic habitat plant um, it does actually flower as well so yeah, I think, you know, with Christmas time, we really associate with, you know, the red belly, red berries and the leaves. But when it flowers, it's a really important nectar and um, mm. pollen plant for pollinating insects. Um, and not just that, the leaves are actually eaten by the caterpillars of the holly blue butterfly and yeah. several moth species as well. So yeah, it, it's in terms of, you know, kind of wildlife and nature, it is a really, really important plant. And obviously the berries really important food source for birds over the winter as well but why do we associate it with christmas um it's actually been it's long been used to decorate homes in the winter and, and used in wreaths as well it actually a lot of it goes back way before kind of christmas as we know it and really back to the winter solstice festival and it was seen as a fertility symbol and charm against witches goblins um and then the devil and it was actually used along with ivy and mistletoe all three were used together in pre-christmas times to celebrate the the winter solstice festival and to ward off evil spirits and celebrate new growth so that's kind of where it comes from and then it's developed and see now it's probably one of the most popular plants we see in wreaths and you know decorating homes at this time of year i mean have, have you seen the thing where I have seen it a couple of times, but it doesn't always seem to happen. When they get to a certain height, the spikes are meant to go, aren't they? You know, yeah, they they work. do. So they also get a lot of a lot of the new growth mm. don't have those spikes on them either. No. Um, and they're actually generally the smooth leaves are quite often eaten by deer, yeah. but the younger leaves. And then, I mean, I know I've seen you know young that new growth tends to not be as as spiky. 
Because that, that's one thing that you, you know, an outdoor education standard thing to show the kids is sort of measure the height and how many spikes are on each leaf and compare it, you know, and supposedly there should be less spikes the higher up the tree you've got it from. But I've only seen it a couple of times. And most of the time, I think cause a lot of the holly you see is ornamental stuff, isn't it? It's been grown in garden centers to be spiky so you can use it as a spiky hedge, I guess, or what have you. Yeah, I'm. A lot of it is is now cultivated, but we do, mm. you know, holly as a, a plant is a, a native world it plant of the UK. Um, but I think a lot of stuff we do tend to see is um, it is cultivated. So I think mm. it's slightly different. Yeah, cracking plants. Right. Indeed. Um, I'll move on. I'll, I'll go on to the mammal, which is, um, of course, Santa's main source of transportation, the reindeer. And you might be thinking, hey, this is UK wildlife. Why are you talking about reindeer? Well, up until 10,000 years ago or so, we did have reindeer walking around. Of course, there's an ice age going on still, um, or at least the remnants of it. There were still reindeer hanging on in the UK. Obviously, they were native for a lot of the ice age, uh, on and off, depending on what part of the ice age we were in. Eventually, they went extinct. But back in the 1950s, someone had the bright idea to walk around the Cangorns. Uh, for anyone that's been there, they'll know that there are sort of large plateaus that because of the height and the latitude to some degree because Scotland is a little bit further north obviously there's effectively a tundra around the mount on and around the mountains there um, and they released a herd of reindeer and now they're not fully wild they're sort of semi-domesticated uh, apparently if you go to a Christmas event uh, in the UK any reindeer you'll see in like a garden centre or stuff like that, um, they weren't going to the ethics of that today. Um, but hopefully in a nice field where they're not all stressed and stuff like that, where you can walk around, um, they'll probably have come from this herd. Um, and there is a second herd that was started in 1990. Again, another area of the Kangorns. Fantastic animals. Um, the males and females have antlers because they use them to fight over food. Um, they're feeding on stuff like lichen um, and the tough plants you get in that sort of habitat, I suppose. Um, fantastically adapted to the cold um, I have lucky enough to have gone up and seen them in the Cangorns which is rather cool um, and yeah they're basically think new forest ponies I think is probably a good analogy you know they're not wild but they're not fully domesticated at the same time but you can pretty much just walk up to them and they don't really care great little animals um, I'll say little quite big and of course uh, with a little bit of magic can fly on the 24th of December as we all know um, into the early morning of the 25th of course depending on where you are in the country and the world and then they, so. and then they get a break and then they get a break a and nice long nice 364 days off yeah after intense and using some maths they must um certainly break the sound barrier it must go quite close to the speed of light but um, i have to say as a scientist i don't see many adaptations to that but um yes that's the wonders of the magic of christmas i imagine yes yeah i say as a strictly scientific um but yeah great, great animals um, have you, have you, you haven't seen them have you you haven't been up to see them i haven't actually no i knew i knew about them um because i actually worked up in scotland for a while but i never actually managed to get up and and see them yeah. but you know i know i know of them i'll pass on to you now for our last animal which i'm guessing being that it's a bird and it's christmas most people better guess what we're about to talk about do you think it might be the robin quite possibly quite possibly it actually is the robin mm. um it's a bird that i think is I mean, we see them all year round, but for some reason, yeah, really, really associated with Christmas. But hopefully I'm going to be able to explain a little bit as to why they're ex why they're associated with Christmas. Um, so a little bit about the bird again. Obviously, it's an unmistakable bird. We see them a lot in our gardens. Um, 
quite often known as the gardener's friend as they'll they'll follow gardeners around as they they're digging over their garden um taking chances to grab any any you know unsuspecting little invertebrates or worms um they actually can be surprisingly aggressive um when it comes <laughs> to territories <laughs> um they're very very quick to drive away intruders um and you know for such a really quite a cute adorable little bird it's yeah it can be surprisingly aggressive um and we do actually get um i think we do get a bit of an influx as well don't we not all the robins we see are actually yeah. our uk resident robins um we do get an influx from europe as well um yeah. but to the ones that stay with us all the way through the year they are our, our residents um but yeah why 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 robins at christmas um well they they don't migrate so they do stay with us year round certainly our resident ones do so they will be here in all weathers um you know in snow and everything like that um but it actually there's there's a few kind of you know ideas as to why it's really associated with christmas um there's actually the robin's red breast is thought to give a direct link to christianity um from that side of things but mm. actually if you go back to um victorian britain um the postman were actually nicknamed rib, uh, robins because of the red-breasted uniforms that they wore and the robin came to represent the postman who delivered the cards at christmas time um so that's actually where that association comes from um which is i thought was actually quite mm. quite sweet actually quite lovely um and actually i think it has been voted britain's favorite bird as oh, well yeah. Oh, how original. <laughs> <laughs> All the birds you could pick and you pick, you know, not that there's anything wrong with a robin, but, you know, in a well with sparrowhawks and goshawks and, I don't know, gobwits. No, maybe that's not. Curlews. Curlews. Those are cool. I like curlews. <laughs> yeah, I, I could probably name 10 birds better than a robin without even thinking. In fact, that's a challenge, right? Goshawk, sparrowhawk, curlew, um, hobbies. Uh, oh, I'm struggling now. Starling, Starling's more entertaining. Uh, crested tits, uh, long-tailed tits. Uh, They're cute. Oh. Long-tailed tits are cute. They're like Green a big fluffy yep. gold golf ball with a tail. Green woodpeckers, goldfinch, uh, great tits because they pet the brains out of other birds. I've mentioned a bit more about that in another blog post. Uh, there you go. That's ten. There you go. There you go. See, it's easy. Yeah. Stop being so predictable, Britain, and boring. Oh, <laughs> drifting towards another. <laughs> I'm drifting towards about that topic. We're talking about votes and going being wrong in this country. No, no, quick, quick, don't go there. Drag, don't drag go there, back. Neil. Drag it back. Stay uh, away. Stay away. Stay, stay away. away from the light. No. I think or it's the dark. Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> towards the light, probably better move. Oh dear. Um, but yeah, so we we thought we'd kind of give you four mm-hmm. four species really that are really Christmas. synonymous with Christmas. Actually, you know we. You got the reindeer, the plants, and and the robin that we all see this time of year, and on our Christmas cards and wrapping paper and everything else. So, so we thought we'd do something a little bit Christmassy um, for this episode. So hopefully, that's yeah. got people in a bit of a Christmassy mood. All right, shall we? So, uh, shall we leave it at that, Chink? Keep it short. I think so. Yeah, yeah and just short, pad it out. Yeah, um, and I think you know from us just. Mm. Just wish everyone a a really kind of lovely, quiet Christmas. You know. Or not quite if you don't like it quite. Or not quite, yeah. Busy, crazy, manic Christmas if if that's what you well, prefer. My box um, today is going to involve six children, so I don't think it's going to be well, quiet. Well, that's not going to be quiet. 
sorry um, seven including me so I carry on <laughs> but I think I think also it'd be you know I think just want to say a big thank you to everyone um you know who's supported us you know been in touch through social media channels followed us um so far and really looking forward to lots of exciting podcasts in 2020 yeah I think we're going to aim for roughly one a fortnight it might wax yeah. and wane a bit depending on how busy we both are mm-hmm. um, and we're going to get a bit more ambitious have some guests on as well I think um, once I work out how to do it I think you can do it with Skype if we do it with Skype we'll definitely do it if you can't it might take a little bit longer for me to work it out but, um, no you well, you can conference call through Skype yeah yeah I think you can record a conference call as well so it should be okay yeah uh, it's just getting three people ready to go at the same time is logistically <laughs> you know <laughs> We'll be, we can do it. Harder. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it. I'm sure we can get Steve Lan on and uh, uh, probably we might get him on towards the end of February to talk about some frogs, I think. Yeah. That'd be about a four hour podcast, though, probably, with us three talking about frogs. That's true. But, yeah. Oh, no, we, oh, we did get frogs in. I was going to say, we nearly didn't get frogs oh, in. Oh, there you go. See, I did. Oh, I Ooh. did it, though, didn't I? You oh, did it, yeah. Me to the rescue. It's all those MCU films I've been watching. <laughs> um, right. So, shall we finish off? What, what, what? Uh, are you hoping for anything wildlifey for Christmas? Um, not really, to be honest. I think I, um, I'm actually, I've got, I've got a big um, job that I'm actually starting really tomorrow that will take me through most of Christmas and into the new year. So I will actually be working more or less flat out over Christmas. So I actually just want a really quiet Christmas with my family, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah, um, that sounds good. Um, without giving too much away um but yeah how about you um i don't know why i asked that question because i can't think how to answer it myself um <laughs> uh, no i'm just hoping for um tenuous link to thing. i think i've put a uh, spider-man on my uh <laughs> on my christmas list and that involves spiders vaguely so so look at that i haven't mentioned him to you for any of the podcasts and i've got it in at least three times already today yeah you're doing um, well yeah i'm doing well um what was I hoping for? Uh, it's a problem when you're an adult because if you want something, you kind of just unless it's it's either ridiculously expensive, so you can't afford it and don't expect anyone else to buy it for you, or you just kind of buy it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, mean, well, I, I want no one to wa- buy me, so it's not. Yeah, I did treat myself to a waterproof case for my. I found I found one because they're normally like over a thousand pound. I found one for a much more reasonable price, um, but I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. So something I might do later is test that it doesn't leak. <laughs> Well, without the keeps, camera in it if it keeps raining the way it's been raining i think you have plenty of opportunities to uh yeah. to test it out well you see that's unlike you i bought a brand that's weatherproof so i don't have to worry about that <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes yeah i did treat myself to um some artwork by uh, a friend of mine called mark witten and it's a, a velociraptor chasing some uh Cretaceous mammals which is absolutely fantastic bit of artwork when he first drew it i thought i'm gonna have to treat myself to that so uh yeah rather cool but yes so kind of christmasy because obviously velociraptor was covered in feathers so it looks like a highly predatory turkey but uh there we go right shall we um i think we'll wrap it up there because i'm just, <laughs> i'm do you know what i said about waffling i think i might have just been waffling um but i think i'm just gonna say um merry christmas happy holidays happy hanukkah happy whatever you're doing on your public days off or if you're working them well thank you very much for looking after the rest of us because you're no doubt doing a job that does and yes happy new year as well i'll see you all 
yeah we'll see you in in 2020 and you know look yeah. after each other take care and that's the future yeah. 2020 is we jetpacks and everything <sighs> yeah oh, <laughs> 2020 already yes yeah it did right Scary. well see you in the new year everybody bye. take care bye